Hello, welcome to Derek Check-In Show with special guest Keegan featuring Hustler. Before we formally begin this episode of the Darren and Sheffin Show, we'd like to thank our patrons. That includes Alex, Cody, Isaac, Hobo, Slurm, and Spino. If you want to support the Darren and Sheffin Show, be sure to go over to patreon.com slash emblemcast. Don't think about it. Welcome everyone to the first official episode of the Darren and Sheffin Show with special guest Keegan featuring Hustler, formerly known as Emblemcast. You know, Sheffin, it's been a wild ride, but it only took 40 episodes of that emblem cast to finally evolve into what this podcast was always meant to be. It's just like a bagon evolving into a sh- what, 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 fuck, what is it evolving to? I know it gets to Salamence, but what's the little ingredient? Sheldon? Sheldon, yeah. Sheldon. 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 This is why we need to feature Husser, because he keeps us ahead. He keeps us on point. On I point. do. On topic. On topic. The, the real, the important side effect of this evolution is that now Emblem Cast can use Eviolite, which boosts its defenses. Yep, but that's true. We're bulked up here. And one day, we'll reach that Salamance point for us. Yep. But in all seriousness, uh, we've been a sort of time crunch here, and Devin couldn't make it, and Keegan is out being a responsible adult working. And unfortunately, I've put the podcast into a, into a bit of difficulty because I'm taking a brief trip in the middle of the month. And to ensure that we uh, don't slip into old habits, I want to make sure that we can release at least two episodes this month. And so uh, here we are, making sure we deliver content. But the bonus is next episode, we're going to have Mecca on. Yep, next an episode. Yeah, next episode will be a mecha special, and then ideally the episode after that should be our FE six retrospective. Yes, we all should be done. Our drafts, fingers crossed, Devin. Uh, oh come for on, that. Devin's not going to be done, but the rest of us will be done. And Devin <laughs> can talk about getting to like chapter fourteen or whatever. Hey, he's 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 on, he's playing on normal mode. He I think he could do it. He could power through. Yeah. He could do he it. I don't. Through. I don't know that it's a difficulty thing most of the time, though, because like he didn't beat FE four either, and it's not like that's a hard game. Well, it 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 does get hard at the end. He couldn't beat Ishtar at the end. That was the thing. Oh, <laughs> literally, you know, the last stretch before the before you fight Julius, how Ishtar shows up and is like, "Hey, I'm Ishtar." To be fair, yeah. she has like doesn't she have like forty speed total or something like yeah, that? Yeah, she's got me. I think she hits fifty because she has me on her. Yeah, yeah but she's ridiculous. Can't Salif just beat her? Like. Yes, he can beat all the magic users. He can beat all the magic users. Well, he needs that. I think he needed to have the brave sword. Otherwise, Ishtar just blows him up. Well, (sighs) all that resistance for nothing. Well, Devin being bad aside, we're here, three of us. It'll be a shorter episode, but we'll be higher, higher, high quality for this episode. There's going to be lots of talk about running and fishing. Very much so. That's what I live for. So, Sheffin, anything to report? Uh, I actually have not picked up FE6 since uh, the last update. What chapter oh. are you on? I was at the start of Ilya. I, oh, oh my god, I'm ahead of you. Oh, wow, that nice. never happens. Yeah. Wow, it was, this is first? Yeah, I got up to Ilya, recruited Nime, or Nime, however, whatever the official pronunciation is. And then the DLC for uh, Three Houses came out. 
so I had to play through that, and then I did a bunch of maddening runs, so I could understand the units and whatnot. And then I was going to do a post, a write up, a full in depth write up about the units and the quality and the classes. And then Rune Factory Four came out, <laughs> and then I just started playing that, and I just that's the one that's like Harvest Moon with robots. No, it's Harvest Moon, but somehow more anime. I, I was going to say Harvest possible? Moon, but RPG. Yeah, yeah, Harvest Moon RPG. Yeah, okay, okay, let's how about it's Stardew Stardew Valley but anime. Let's go with that. Okay. And that tracks. Yeah, I just haven't gone back to FE6. I haven't done the write up about the Cinder Shadows or the Ashen Wolves. And it's just like and then Animal Crossing's coming out this week or not this week. At the end of this month, Doom comes out. Man, there is why does everything have to come out now? Because it's going to be that run to the end of the fiscal quarter. So everyone's shooting for that. It's the end of the fiscal year in June. So uh, get ready for a lot of releases. Yeah, that's the thing. After the 2000s taught everyone that if you rush your game out for the holiday schedule to the point that it's like severely lacking in polish and filled with bugs and obviously unfinished, people do actually notice eventually and call your games buggy messes. So then people were like, oh, my God, we can release stuff in March. And then we're not competing with other people for the holidays. And, you know, if we have to delay our game to them, we can give it the time it needs to not be terrible. And then everyone did that. And now March is just as bad as November. (laughs) And it still counts towards the same fiscal quarter for projections. Yep. Money. Capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. It's what it's all about. Yeah. It just feels feels so weird that I'm spending now all my time uh, in... Rune Factory 4, just a cutesy farming game, anime farming <laughs> game. And then after this, I'm probably going to just be spending all my time in Animal Crossing. To be fair, to be fair, Three Houses is the most farming that any Fire Emblem game has featured with all the planting and cultivating of crops. Fresh. You could argue you're cultivating talent in your students, <laughs> cultivating yeah. relationships. When they read genealogy, I really want to make sure that I can spread Pegasus shit on like crops to go to grow. Hey, it only costs you like four thousand gold. You know, all right. Here, here's what I want in the genealogy remake. You know how Lex and Arden just randomly get the brave axe and pursuit ring just by standing next to a tile of water, special tile of water. I want a fishing mini game where you have to fish that out. That's you have to, you have to go through the big fish to get it. Get the big fish to get the good stuff. Isn't that they just should add a new character that's that a pirate point. that can just cross that lake in chapter one right away and get Lex's axe? <laughs> That'd be something. But yeah, I've got nothing to, nothing new to report. I still, I, I, oh yeah, my Roy, still the best Roy. Still the biggest, still the strongest. Still the biggest, still the fastest, still the most skilled. <laughs> I'm not going to th- talk about my I Roy today. I think my today. Roy was really blessed, too, actually. I, yeah, I so, compared it to the averages, and I can't remember now. Yeah, but. Well, well, good for you. Yeah, Husser, you weren't here last episode. Tell, tell us about your FE6 draft. But first, Provide us all the deets. Tell us about your so, Roy. We, we, we all compared our Roys last time, and some people came up shorter than others. So my Roy is my boy. Uh, I'm already, like, at the end-ish of Ilya. I'm on Chapter 20. So he's rammed up really really hard against the um you know promotion cap but he is very much hella blessed um wait no he's not he's like plus two res and otherwise averages sorry uh i was just checking it again (laughs) but you know he's doing his job he's tanky 
almost no one was tanking in the early game. And even on normal mode, which I know is like the joke, but you know, he gets the job done. But more importantly, in late game, he's serving a much, much more valuable purpose uh, where I can give him like an iron sword with like two uses and then send him into berserk staff range. Because <laughs> otherwise, I am fucked. Like, here's the thing about I mean, are, berserk you... staffs, at least in the GBA games. I can't remember how it works in the other ones. But um, if you don't have a restore user, you just have to reset most of the time, unless you like very specifically plan around it. It is not fun because you can't even box people in because they can just still go through your units if they're berserked. Yeah, because they're um, red and leaf. You know, I didn't have physics, so I couldn't even set it up so that they suicide rush the enemies. There, there's just nothing you can do. So I had to turtle very slowly, send in Roy to go like putter and like slam his head against a wall and then do it again and just waste like 15 turns on that shit it was Ugh. awful yeah How, what's what's your sophia staff rank because i know she <laughs> e oh. i've been having her heal every turn but like <laughs> she's gonna get to you know d eventually and no i'm just i'm pretty sure restores once... a b too <laughs> yeah i'll i'll get yodel though yeah. soon but then you only I have to say you're probably going to get Yodel before you actually get her to a usable staff uh, oh, rank. But Sophia has been fucking hard carrying, man. Like she got ridiculously blessed and like just shot right up to. um, Shot up right up to being really good. I got to promote her like two chapters after I got her uh, more or less. After after you dumped and, a ton uh, of staff boosters into her, right? You know, I gave her a speed wing. I think that might have been it. There might have been like one more, but it really like that's not too bad. You know, like actually good units often need a stat boost or two to get going. Sophia is not, but, you know, it worked out. Right. She's been really good for me. You know, I can give her Nosferatu and she can just tank everything. And uh, right now she's my only healer. So that's putting in a lot of work, too. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine. Uh, You are playing on normal mode, right? I am uh, because I... I, you, you had a, I remember you had a bad experience first first time going through. I mean, it's fair. Mode. He's not gonna have a uh, a maddening experience, and I uh, I don't I don't think anyone is wrong to not choose that because uh, you know I've had second thoughts. I mean, the thing about hard mode, well, okay, let me backtrack. The thing about FE six is that the guidance chapters just are horrific to get to because you look shit up, you have stuff open in the other tab constantly as you play. And then there's still always some fucking thing you miss that makes you have to go back and play the chapters. Uh, so that has been awful enough on normal mode. I like I this, that chapter with Zeiss uh, where you have to keep Douglas alive. I had to replay like three times because there was always some fucking thing that blocked me from a guide chapter later. And it's so long and boring. You're just waddling through a corridor like. I'm sure FE6 would be fun if I had a restore staff. But it has just been really a grind for me because <laughs> it's just the same shit over and over again. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there have been fun elements, you know, the Pegasus are like actually balanced for once, like their strength sucks. So their utility is balanced by a lack of combat ability unlike you know, Florida or Marsha, who you can just like level up a bit and then they destroy the game for you so that's a nice bit of balance at least yeah. um although tate is like not any better than juno which is kind of sad um, <laughs> oh yeah because no, no no hard mode bonuses for yep. tate. 
for anyone. Yeah, which is funny because I I know that the only difference between a Juno and a hard mode bonus Tate is Juno has two more luck. <laughs> wow, it's really sad. Is that after? Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, <laughs> but some of the maps have been better. Um, like the one where you get Cecilia was sort of fun. Um, Akina has been great. Agreen has been useful. Like all the pre promotes have been really putting in work. Uh, I don't know if they would on hard mode, but they certainly have been for me. Uh, and then Alan is obviously a god. Uh, Barth, <laughs> I forgot that I had drafted until like 10 <laughs> chapters after I got him. So <laughs> I haven't used him at all. Nice. Because, uh, Barth is bad enough if you try to get him good right away. There was no way I was going to get anywhere with him. Like, ten, like what is he, like a level 2 knight in like chapter 17? That was not happening. Actually, I'm pretty sure Barth is... Uh, I think he's level 9, actually, based on Okay, nine. level 9. Even yeah. so, hey, I didn't want to go from the... Like, it's... One, if I one level man, and then get the, like, the plus 3 everything for promotion bonuses. Yeah, but see, I could also just sell that Knight's Crest and buy more boots. Ah, uh, but then you wouldn't have a general. Yeah, exactly. It's win-win. <laughs> Got me That's there. That's the thing, though. I'll, like, all of my high-level staves, except, like, a couple for Yodel, all of my promotion items, I've got so much fucking money, I cannot wait to just be super tricked out in boots. Like, <laughs> the the uh, map in Ilya with the shop, I think it's, like, 19... I just had Merlinus like loading up stuff and then selling it for like four, five turns, like <laughs> filling up his inventory. There was just so much, like the whole map. Um, I'm going to be able to get so many boots. It's amazing. Nice. <laughs> yep. Oh, but I have to say, FE6, I think, is definitely a game where um, playing a draft can make it a lot less fun. I mean, granted, yeah. I haven't yep. I haven't done a non-draft run like start to finish before, so it may just be that it's not my game anyway. But I I have a feeling that a lot of this is because I don't have a good staff bot. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll throw this out here: controversial opinion, because I know a lot of people in the Fire Emblem community hold Fire Emblem Six in uh, in high regard. I'd argue it's my least favorite of the GBA games by a good margin. And it's probably one of my least favorite games in the series to replay. That's certainly how I'm feeling right about now. That's not to say I think it's bad. I do think it's a good game, and it has really good points in it, but I feel like there's a lot of jank to it. I feel like it's a rougher design than the later GBA games, and they really found their footing with the next few entries. Yeah, like I respect a lot of people like it, I think, because it's not so easy the way the other GBA games are. And it yeah. still has a lot of their good qualities, like the amazing sprite work, you know, the fun color palette, all that stuff. But, you know, just just because it's harder doesn't mean that it's inherently more fun. And I think a lot of the design choices, like crippling axe users, basically, like, to the point of unusability uh, with the low hit rates and, you know, making Roy horrible after, like, chapter 15, even if he's good. Yeah, it's, I th- I also would like to, to go have a good Roy like everyone else. <laughs> here's, here's the thing, Darren. Uh, you know, once you get like five, six, seven, eight chapters after when he should have promoted and didn't, everyone's Roy is bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair enough. <laughs> Anything else you want to 
report out about your draft run? Um, there's more I could talk about playing the game in general, but I think I'll save that for the retrospective once I've beaten it. I think that'll fit better. Yeah. Uh, but I will say when the guidance requirements are so fucking persnickety that even when I like looked them up and was trying to keep them in mind, you can still miss stuff. That is so awful. Why did they do that? Well, I'm trying to think. Aren't most of the guidance chapters just to keep to keep X character alive and beat the chapter in under X amount of turns? Yeah, and the turn limits are always easy. Even in Arcadia, I still had like five to spare. But keeping certain characters alive in FE6 is no joke. Like when they're green units, they'll fucking suicide themselves, and like you have to you have to recruit Zeiss, like which I never knew. Which is... that's a chore. I'm <laughs> yeah, looking forward chore. to doing and it. And even like so, I had the tab that had all the guidance requirements, and I was like going down one by one. So like you know. Usually it's like, oh, Zealot joins this chapter, keep him alive. Actually, that's another example. Yeah, usually it's like, oh, Lelina joins this chapter, keep her alive. Like, okay, fine, I'll do that. Sophia joins this chapter, keep her alive. Okay, fine. But then you get people like Zealot and Zeiss and the lady where, like, they're needed for a guidance chapter, like, eight chapters on. So you've got to, like, read up and down the whole list on the wiki or whatever, like, over and over again to make sure you don't forget anything. Or you'll just get there and realize that, oh yeah, I let someone die eight chapters ago because I didn't use them because it's a draft, and I guess I'm fucked now. Yeah, Ooh. some of those, uh, it's either like, oh, mm -hmm. keep X character alive, or do this chapter in 20 turns or under. Looking yeah. at you, uh, Arcadia. Yeah, I think Arcadia, yeah, Arcadia, you have to keep Sophia alive, and... Complete yep. chapter under 25. Got a freaking gun it in that freaking yep. desert dog fog of war. Jesus. <laughs> Just getting yeah. PTSD. I mean, 25 turns is a lot for people like us who play Fire Emblem a lot, but even then, it's a desert and there's treasure. So I still took like maybe twenty turns. Also, just Wyvern Lord is just chilling out in the fog of war. Yeah, and there's a few manakeets too, I think. At least on hard mode. Yeah, but they don't move, I'm pretty sure. They just chill out. I know. I know. In the next chapter, I know. Not in the next chapter. In the chap, the Douglas chapter, they don't move at all. They just chill out, which is which is weird programming. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, well, I it's mean, I mean hey, they're they still the figuring out their craft. I guess so. Mm -hmm. What about you? What about you, Darren? How's your FE six draft going? Uh, it hasn't. Huh? Uh, I'm, I've pulled. I pulled a Devin. You guys. I. Uh, I haven't made. Uh, any progress and uh how far were you again i had just gotten past arcadia oh okay. that, well, that's a big further that's a big, than Devin. yeah yes that's also like I the have, biggest i have hurdle cleared the over. lowest target here i have uh, i have i am past and ahead of Devin, as far as i know yeah but uh, I mean, unfortunately I... just real life stuff has uh, kept me from playing much Understandable. I'm not an FE6 expert, but it seems like there's two big, like, breather moments in the game. Like, after you just play a really grueling chapter, like, after chapter 7 and after chapter 14. Because there's. Yeah. Even on normal mode, chapter 7 was no joke. Like, I've beaten <laughs> it before on hard, but I had to let, like, everyone die and I locked myself out of the true ending. And after that, I just ended that playthrough because I did not want to have to do it again. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, the early game, I think, in a way, also burned me out a little bit just because it was so much of just Marcus and Roy just uh, yeah. slowly grinding away at enemies. But And then now I'm at the point where I really want to get to Zeiss because, oh boy, all the units that I, ha I have access to, 
they're like getting maxed out. So it's getting to the point where I'm like, I'm going to get started getting to the point where no one's getting experience. And just want to end the chapter to move on. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I just want to just get through this. And I feel like in a way, my biggest regret for hard mode, like I love the hard mode bonuses. It's such a great incentive to try to push yourself, but my God, the hard mode reinforcements, it feels like I fight more reinforcements than the units that are actually on the map. Oh yeah. There's, it can be real rough. <laughs> it's pretty exhausting. Yeah, like you a, set like up everything run. so carefully. You go through the grueling gauntlet and like kill just the right enemies and block out the ranges and make sure everything's finally going to work. And then, surprise, there's an STR that just comes out of nowhere and kills your fucking dancer or whatever. Hey, check it out. These six wyvern riders just appeared and they're going to kill Lilum. Lilum. <laughs> Yeah, I remember reading Don Don say once that like STRs made basically no difference, and I can see why he thought that because he plays these games over and over again. Yeah, he's playing he, on like zero percent growth LTC. He's optimizing the shit out of everything. He knows about them just as well as if they were visible on the map. But for yeah. someone normally playing the game, it makes a massive difference. Yeah, but finally enough, I wouldn't even say that the FE six is the worst instance of same turns re reinforcements. I think, I think which one do you think uh, is there's there's two instances in awakening there's the oh the, like military, the military military with the falconites yeah. they're like literally <laughs> you cannot avoid aside from very <laughs> few tiles in the middle and also in awakening the uh counter warriors that show up randomly. oh my god i remember those guys which, fuck those guys literally nothing you could have done and then the other yeah, instance... they're like that, the suicide bombing Voltorbs in Pokemon. Yeah, they, they just, just show up and, and you just kill yourself. <laughs> and the other instance, I would say, is actually in... Actually, three, Fire Emblem Three Houses, with on Chapter 5, Maddening. You know the thieves that in the top right, the the Miklon map that would spawn in the top right when you cross a certain point? Up top, top? Oh, yeah. Those, You're always, like, way past them, aren't you? No, because those thieves have no? pass on, the, on Maddening. So they can just pass right through oh. all your units and just kill all your squishy healers. Great. <laughs> it, it's 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 weird that they were. What was we were five, 15? Yeah, we're fifteen. No, sixteen games. What's three houses? Is it sixteen? Oh, that's fifteen. It's sixteen according to normal people, but according to Sakurai, it's seventeen because apparently. Oh, he, count, he counted heroes, heroes or BSFE or something. Yeah, yeah, he counted heroes. Yeah, we're seventeen games in, and they still do—they still do same turn reinforcements in the most dickish way. <laughs> you know, like I really think in general the permadeath helps Fire Emblem's design because beating those maps with only your Lord alive is almost always like way too easy to be interesting. You don't have to think about it at all. But when you've got same turn reinforcements coming out of fucking nowhere and just killing stuff, like it. <laughs> The designs mesh in the worst possible way because it's either like, yay, I'm playing with save states or, well, guess I'll reset, yeah. you know, and at least three houses, I guess in three houses, pulse. at least they did just say, OK, save states are part of the game now. But yeah, here's your divine pulse. It just it still just feels like, yeah, screw you. <laughs> I mean, isn't that war and aren't the developers trying to give you the sensation of an enemy surprise attack and how devastating that is? And you you lose people. But no, we usually just reset or we save state because, you know, inconvenience. It's a video game. It's a video game. But it, know, feel, it, like feel, it feels like they should have realized the that. Game Iron Man. 
and it can be kind of fun. And it definitely, like, I, I don't know if this is how most people play, but I definitely, like, reset for most units. But, like, if someone's particularly uninteresting and bad, I'll just let them die. Right. <laughs> and, like, you know, if someone's sort of on the cusp of that and it's, like, at the end of a really long map, you have to make a decision, you know? And that decision makes you feel something. It, you know, it's showing that the permadeath is having an influence on how you play the game yeah. and sort of emotionally too. And I think that's pretty cool. But when it's just like, surprise, Falcon Knight kills your dancer, which you're definitely not going to move with and without. So just, you know, have fun resetting. That's not interesting. It's just frustrating. Yeah. It's a fine line. And sometimes yep. it's not always well-tread. Yeah. Or in my case, for example... You know, Berserk Staff, which you can't even see the range of, so you have to, like, hope you can count it out. And then it's just yeah. like, okay, you know, here, Alan's Berserk now, and he's got the Durandal, so, like, you lose. There's no, there's nothing it's, you it's, can do. Well, Roy be, is going to die. Well, to be fair, I'm pretty sure the developers wouldn't design the game. I assume that someone would be able to use a Restore Staff at that point of the game for the players. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think they ever imagined someone... Only having Sophia as their healer. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. It probably uh, wasn't part of their playtesting. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a... One day, I hope someone interviews Intelligent Systems and asks, what, how do they make units? What, what go, what's their thought process on giving a unit certain stats and growths? I'm pretty sure they said in an interview that they always reset... Well, actually, okay, they, you know, this might have been long enough ago that no one is the same people there. I'm I'm pretty sure that almost no one in intelligent systems now is the same people who are working, like, with Kaga, or probably even during GBA, but... I think we, I think there's still some GBA people. You would probably only have, like, really senior staff. Yeah, like, they'd be maybe, maybe a handful of people at this point, because Awakening was pretty much a combination of old producers and directors... And a lot of new staff that were fans of the series. Yeah, but even then, I'm prob I don't think the senior staff would be directly dictating what stats or what. I, I, I certainly can't imagine. They're the ones like playtesting. Yeah. No, God, no, no. Yeah. they would not. <laughs> they do concepts. Yeah. yeah. But as you were saying, Husser, someone said. Someone said, "Oh, that they reset." Like, if you look at the old games, they clearly designed things to allow for Iron Man runs. Like, you'll have sort of late-game replacement characters. That's what a lot of the pre-promotes are and were. Like, hey, if your Rector died, have Carol or, you know, whatever. But I am i don't think that's how most people play the game um, unless they're going in blind. Okay, let me correct myself. That's how a lot of people played the game back in the day. Now that we have the internet, I think most people who are sort of tuned in, and especially now that casual mode exists, I think most people who bother to play on Classic probably know to reset. And do it like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It's just well, fair enough. Yeah. I guess at this point, everyone is caught up to about where we are, and hopefully, for uh, in a couple episodes, you know, two and I, ideally two, <laughs> ideally two, that uh, we can have the FE6 retrospective, and we can all start talking about how big uh, our other lords are. Yep. How how big our Roy ended? But the, the TLDR is same turn reinforcements suck, and it's baffling that they have them after thirty years. Yep, and Darren has a small Roy. Shame. Okay, so now let's let's talk about sort of our 
main sort of topic that we want to talk about here for this shorter shorter episode of the Darren and Shuffin show. Yeah, this was something that we kind of talked about a little bit, I think two episodes ago. We had a user question about this that kind of brought up the topic. This, I think this is back in our full Three Houses episode. Mm, I think yeah. we talked about this subject, but uh, why don't you continue, Chef? Yeah, so inform the, the people what we're going to do. So, what we're going to do here, our main topic is Byleth. How they are as an avatar in the role of Three Houses, and how do they compare to the previous player characters, so to speak, of the previous games. So comparing Violet, Mark from FE7, Chris from FE12, Robin FE13, and Corn from FE14. And basically only the Avatar could master all three houses, but when the world <laughs> needed him most, he vanished. What about the fourth? Yeah, the sewer rats. The sewer, the sewer rats. Yeah. So if you've listened listened to our previous episodes you probably can figure out that most of us generally aren't too big fans of Byleth due to their silent protagonist brick wall nature. And how much of a Mary Sue they are. Let's let's just slide over for a second, because Sheffin, I think you especially are the one who most seriously plays the later games, like in replays and does higher difficulties in LTC what? and stuff. No. For, <laughs> for like the guy who just did three maddening runs? I, no. I, I did five, yeah, ultimately. Maddening. Oh my god. What, what do you think about having a Byleth or a Corn or a Robin or whatever just purely, strictly in gameplay? I do you mean, think it's a good thing or a bad thing? In the context of three houses, it kind of doesn't really feel necessary since all you can be what every student can be whatever class. So it's not as like Byleth can do anything uniquely special in regards to yeah. class wise. I mean, stat wise, yes, very good. But ultimately, Dimitri and Edelgard actually just straight up outstat Byleth. So it's like they're not even the best there. And the one unique thing the, the Byleth has the what's the enlightened one class the pope class yeah. oh yeah <laughs> it's the pope class it's not even that good of a class which is kind of kind of granted edelgard's edelgard's personal class is also completely awful but it's just like yes yeah it's like why where's your wyvern yeah even even why are you not a berserker why are you why have you downgraded here so it's where in i guess the previous actually it doesn't even make too much sense in fe12 either but in 13 and 14 you know, being able to be any class, you know, being able to prep for that. And it's just, there's a lot of fun, yeah, custom, there's that. a lot of fun customization there to have where in three houses, it kind of doesn't really feel necessary. That's kind of how I, I didn't like it in gameplay as much, but I don't play those games as seriously or as often as you do. So I wanted to check in because I think sliding back out from that as a contrast uh, outside of gameplay in terms of story, character, game feel, all of that stuff, they're pretty destructive to the narrative. Yeah, they kind of, at some point, take over the focus. Like in Three Houses, you initially have, depending on which lord you choose, which house you align yourself with, you have a pretty tight focus on that lord, but there's always the shadowing of, even if you haven't played the church route, of who is Byleth, why are they so special? And there's always that over top of it. Which, and it kind of muddies the focus in a lot of ways too. Having that sort of those loose threads that aren't directly answered in any of those routes, like only the church route really deals with it. And you kind of take, it feels like you're meant you're, you're, they're treating you like the main character in a story where you're not the protagonist. Yeah. I mean, 
they're a blank slate, so they're boring and they don't do anything. But because they're supposed to be you, everyone in the game falls in love with them and like praises them and calls them amazing. The most emblematic, I think, of this like ridiculous wow, good wordplay. When <laughs> thank you, when you play all of the uh, paralogs where you get special weapons and stuff that are like clearly meant for specific characters, and you had to bring them along, and like they're doing their own thing, like it's a Mass Effect loyalty mission or something. Like you just, <laughs> you know, they come in, they they have their narrative or whatever. You their know, their like father Marianne hates them for whatever her reason. Curse or whatever. Yeah. You know, Felix kills his brother, you know, all that shit. And then they get this holy weapon and then they just give it to you for no reason. And then, of course, you most likely just give it right back to them in the menu. It's so pointless and it's so obviously meant for like player gratification. Like, and it's meant to be a thing, too, of it showing their growth that they earned it. And they're like, you know what? You can decide when I'm ready for this. And you're like, was it the point of that mission to prove that you're ready for this? Yeah. They added all those extra lines, and it's so pointless. Like, we we know we can just move it back around. Like, you know, when Ellawood saves three green villagers, and then they give him a mine at the end or whatever, like, okay, sure, you're giving it to the commander of the army, but it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know? It's not integrated into gameplay, you know? Right. And when you in past games, when you do have stuff that's more intricate, you know, like it'll just fucking give it to them because that makes sense. And I can see how you would think that this is just nitpicking and it is. But I, I'm bringing it up more as an example of the larger issue because uh, it's not really a problem. You know, it's not a big deal that these characters give away their birthright to immediately have it given back to them for no reason. That's a pretty minor thing. But it is more of an issue that you'll like you know, start a continental war to put your buddy as the enlightened ruler and then they're nothing. They have no demonstrated personality or even the ability doesn't feel earned because the game makes them so good as a unit. Like, as far as tactics, sure, that's the player doing that. But Byleth isn't good because the player is, you know, putting in anything that they deserve to be rewarded for. Byleth is good because intelligent systems set their stats to be stupid high. Like, and also this, also the plot says Byleth is good and somehow also yes, directing yes. the war. I think, yeah. I think sort of my one of the most egregious cases of, you know, the students just tr- trusting the pro- professor with some important decision and all that is actually in Crimson Flower, is actually with Sylvain, when he when he fights, uh, if he fights an Ingrid who was unrecruited, in the time skip, he talks about how he believes in the professor. More than he believes in his own country, shouldn't he believe in Edelgard and her cause and the whole that's fighting pre- that's the crest with them? Up. That's that, pretty fucked up. It's like why, why specifically Bilas? Shouldn't the point be Edelgard? Bilas just in yeah. it for the ride at that point. Especially in Crimson Flower, but frankly, also in almost any other route. Well, a be- lot of the students from other houses you can recruit feel kind of non-canon almost, or like if it is, it's nonsense because it contradicts their stated personality so much occasionally it works really well like felix on crimson flower is a really cool contrast i think to where he is like in the Dimitri route or whatever because it's not a good ending for him he's feeding into his worst impulses and like getting consumed by them and just t- carving a bloody path as his crit quote says like you know that that kind of tracks as an interesting thing but then you get people like sylvain who just kind of says fuck off to his like best friend and then goes on to do nothing for seemingly no reason 
Sylvain, like, why are you fighting for that army? Uh, 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 I don't know. Well, it, the professor. Well, it ter- yeah. it, in the terms of... I will say for the blue the blue lions, if recruited into this, like Silver Snow or Verdant Wind, I feel like it makes sort of sense then, since then it's like uh, Dimitri, quote-unquote, died, even though they don't show his body at all. They won't show anyone. So he's dead. The country doesn't really have any more future. So like they'll guess they'll go see the professor at the five-year reunion thing. But yeah, sometimes it makes more sense than others. And then there's other examples like with Lysithia and the Crimson Flower where you can sort of make up a fairly good reason for her to do it. But the game doesn't really say that. So you have to kind of like it's a bit of headcanon for it to make sense. Well, even even then, a bit of headcanoning still still like fine. You know, as long as as long as the threads are there, where with Sylvain, it sort of seems like the threat, the, the threads were clearly there. If you read civilian support conversations understand his character and hatred of Cress. It's just, then they decided to completely just burn all those threads for the sake of Sylvain believing in Byleth over Edelgard. I think, overall, it's this emblematic problem of... Nice word. <laughs> <laughs> it's the word of the day on the Darren yeah. Chaffin show. Emblematic. Uh, the problem is, is what I said earlier, is that Byleth is the main character, but not the protagonist. Because Byleth is meant to be you, meant to be your point of view into this world. That's why people introduce concepts and go, you don't know about blank country or the political situation here? Well, player will tell you because you don't know these things. And they treat Byleth like a character, but they're not a character. And you have such a character-driven game with all these really strong personalities that are really well characterized that they're so strong that they don't need to have a central character like an avatar to lean on. I think the game would have been way more interesting if you were basically playing as the three different lords. You would choose your house at the start of the game, you'd play as Edelgard, play as Dimitri or Claude, and go from there. And then I we think that would have been Edelgard way more... It would have just been better. Yeah, they... And then we could have gotten Edelgard and Smash <laughs> instead of Mr. Blank. <laughs> that would have that would have been the best outcome, the best timeline. Yeah. Because, again, like, I think each of their roots, you get such strong characterization from this whole cast. And I feel like their relationships with each other are is what's interesting about them. Their relationship with Byleth is nothing. It will always be nothing because he's silent and it's a one-way conversation with every character in the game. Yeah, like if we compare him to Robin for a second, whom I have shut I, I did want to go frankly, there, yeah. I was I was about Robin, to go I was about to go to both. Robin both them also and Corrin. gets all of the sort of like player love, you know, just oh my god, you're so amazing. We love you, go do whatever. You know, that's not great. I have a lot of problems with it and with Awakening in general. But he has a personality which makes it easier to swallow by comparison. Like, it, it's only now that Three Houses and Fates 2, I guess. But Fates was such a disaster anyway that it was harder to notice narratively. But now now that those put it in perspective, like, okay, I, I don't love all of that, you know, player love, you know, stuff. But it makes more sense when there's any personality, at least. There's at least a sense of of character and direction with Robin. Robin is integral to the plot. Robin does come up with these strategies that they use in cutscenes and stuff. And so there's a good direction between you as the player 
controlling Robin and by right. extension the tactics for your entire army and it also gives credence to Robin being the the master tactician so at least like there's yeah. a yeah. there's well, a bit Robin of has, like, synergy there. Like, also, the also play chess and supports right. and stuff you know it also it's shows totally Robin different. sort of interacting with Crom and building the, sort of that relationship you know throughout the game as and yeah and at least like, them he, bouncing like, off of each other as opposed to you know Byleth them just it's, the, they're just, it's literally them talking to a wall it's edelgard going professor you're my only equal in this whole world you're the only one i respect and it's like why yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say even even with fates with corn you know his personality oh God. i i know oh, I, I know you two I, both of you aren't very big fans and i'm not either but i will say even corn to an extent is better than bile from that Corn does have a personality. Granted, everyone hates that personality. Because <laughs> the plot, there's times in the plot where it bends over backwards to fit that personality. But yes. he, he still interacts, at least with his siblings, and to an extent with his retainers. He still, you know, some people would say his interactions with his siblings are problematic. Like maybe well, okay. he interacts too much with his maybe, siblings. Maybe, yes, aside you know from I mean. the boning, <laughs> the siblings, not siblings, quote unquote. Oh, God. But he still, it still feels a more. I'll say it feels a more real relationship. Okay, not real, but a better relationship than the Lords with Byleth. It's a relationship. A relationship. That's the thing. Yeah. Because every, every character's relationship with Byleth is them talking to a wall. At least with fucking Chris, the most nothing character. Like, even, I would argue, like, they're all, Chris and Byleth are on the same level of being characters. At least Byleth has, like, a backstory in the game you can find out. Chris is just, I fucking love Marth. Hey, no, he likes well, to train. Chris also stands out less because all of the Marth characters are pretty flat. Yeah. I will even say with Chris, ignoring the parts, I'll say with the prologue and all the stuff dealing with like the assassins and Katarina. Yes, I will that's say, the one the one aspect right, that, to Chris that's Chris that shows, you know, okay, he's really works hard to be a knight. His interactions with Katarina, that's actually really good. You know, him them injecting him in two parts. That he clearly was not meant to be, and that was meant to be Marth. <laughs> Less good. <laughs> yeah. But and then just every support conversation is just, "Hey, Chris, what are you doing? I'm training. Why are you training? So I can protect Marth." Yeah, like it's, at least that's still something. Or at least yeah. even if it's nothing else, trait. his relationship with Katarina. I, yeah, I, I, that's I, it's very enjoyable. I, that is fair. That is fair. That is actually probably the best part of that right. remake in terms of them adding something like that. I do. I do agree that. There is an actual dynamic there, and that, and it, there's like this whole frenemy thing that goes on, and the actual betrayal in the prologue right. chapters then, is actually interesting because of that. Right, and then his attempt to sort of re- return Katarina to the fold, you know, her to, to redeem her. Right, and the and dilemma there, and then it's it is the one aspect of their character that's not just I really like Marth. Right. I guess maybe the closest thing to Violet would be actually like FE Seven Mark in terms of character. Yeah, I was just about to. Where FE Seven Mark, Mark has ex- you could exactly literally remove Mark from the story and yeah. nothing changes. In fact, that's what happens when you skip Lin mode and choose not to create an avatar. You just remove. There is no Mark. Yeah, and it's fine. And you know what? Mark has exactly as much going on between his ears as Violet does. But you know what? He doesn't have supports with every single character in the game where they desperately try to talk to a brick wall. He also doesn't have everyone fucking, you know, singing his praises and like betraying their best friends in order to go serve him. You know, if 
here's the the issue i think is that it's caught really awkwardly in the middle you know fire emblem is not a game where your choices matter in the way you know it's <laughs> oh okay it's your not. choice your choices, not, your tactical, no, no, like, not, your tactical like decision choices, yeah, yeah, your narrative choices, and you can form your own narratives, which can be really interesting. Yeah, your own headcanon. You know? Like, there's always those yeah, loose enough head, threads. Your, your head, well, in the gameplay narratives too. Like in FE6, I was just playing. You know, Sophia's really terrible. All of her supports are about how she's really terrible. Like it's clearly intentional. But you know, you can baby her and make her good, and then now she's pulling so much weight as the only staff bot. Like that's kind of fun to think about. <laughs> It has nothing to do with like the game narrative itself, but you can make your own kind of in-game feature and, you know, like letting people die at the end of a long map and stuff like that as they're bravely sacrificing themselves or whatever, you know, you can do interesting things with that. But the blank slate player avatar has nothing to do with any of that shit. And they're not helping the actual story, you know, plotline narrative of it either. So they're just kind of awkwardly there like a black hole warping the narrative around them. I, I think the, it's problematic. I think the biggest example of sort of the player choice not mattering would be with, with Byleth in, in part one after Ramire village where the flame emperor approaches you and asks, oh you, God. you should, you know, you should join me. And then you have an option. No, I will never join you. And then second option. Yes. I, w- yes, I'll go with you. If you pick and it, I knew I was doing Crimson Flower, right. and I knew about the spoiler, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure. you pick it." And then at Flame River is like, "Nah, you lie." <laughs> okay, why even give me that option? Uh, I guess, I guess they took inspiration for Bio. I sort of getting off Fire Emblem. They they took inspiration from the Persona games with their protagonists, but it's it feels like even there, they only had a vague understanding of how the persona protagonists work they went really hard on trying to capture that aspect of the life sim and i think most would agree that they didn't really flesh it out enough like not to the extent that persona has done and yeah i mean because because persona has so many micro choices in the dialogue that it affects it directly affects your relationship with characters like the choices matter in that they increase or decrease your standing with characters to progress their social links. Like picking the right, sometimes picking any choice is whatever. Like you might get a stat bonus from it. You might get, make a character mad for like a line. You might get a funny line out of them. That's different, but you do actually in the social links need to start choosing the correct ones to progress them. Yeah. And so the because there's and in so persona, you're many, spending so much time with people because yes, there are dozens of yes. hours of JRPG. So even if, you know, Joker or the other ones whose names escape me at the, the moment. Chad and the door. That's all you need what to was, know. I think it was Whoa. Makoto. It's Makoto and then you. You. Why why you? Why you? Yeah. But anyway, even if they're not interesting, at least you spend enough time with the characters that it's easier to ignore the attachment because like, you know, hanging out with a blank slate for 40 hours it's easier to imagine a connection building than hanging out with a blank slate for like two hours and then suddenly you're betraying your country for them yeah i think that also goes with with persona with the social links there are 10 step there is 10 levels to every uh, every social link as opposed to the support system in fire emblem especially with three houses three houses you only get most units only two supports before the time skip so really only two interactions to really potentially even build upon that relationship. 
And then it's like even yeah. the dialogue options that you do get in say support conversations or just even in general, it's more of just like sure, yes or no. Whereas opposed to like even in, even in Persona, going back to you know Persona Three, uh, the male male protagonist, you know he has this all of his options sort of have this sort of I don't care sort of feel. You know the fe- uh, female protagonist, bubbly, outgoing, great, and everything. And then Joker is like in Persona Five is like the most sarcastic asshole ever, with all his <laughs> with his options. Yeah, it's like it's but like there, Robin's tactic stuff, but even done better than that. Yeah. Whereas Byleth doesn't have shit. Yeah, it's like, like he... oh, what do you? Yeah, I think one option it's like, oh, what are you doing here? I was like, whatever, just passing by, came to pray, and it's like doesn't it doesn't matter for the support conversation at all even in terms of the plot in the most egregious would be in silver snow Sedith will like interpret everything you say weirdly but then if, you can also just pick wrong answers every time but Sedith will always direct the story to do what it needs to which is like mm. why <laughs> why even give us the options if we're already so fixed it's just in a it's a it's like the uh the baby driver wheel it's meant to make you think you're in the seat but this the, the the car drives itself it's it's going its direction and it's just meant to be the illusion of affecting the choice that your choices matter that you're that like you're this character which to the again to go back to persona because there's such an easy comparison between the two you have so much more room to have your agency that you can feel like you're you're at least embodying this character, or at the very least, you can get a sense of that character. Whereas Byleth, there's not even enough of these choices to even like get to that point, and what is there isn't substantial enough. Yeah. And- well, the weird thing for me is that usually these blank slate protagonists, like if you're looking at like Fallout or something, usually they're there at least in part to allow for the possibility of role playing, so that you can like build yeah. a character. But there's not enough opportunity for player expression fire emblem player expression comes through like how you build out your units and you know that kind of stuff but that has nothing to do with byleth yep, you know? even then byleth also has you know established backstory was you know that's the whole point of like silver snow how he was born yeah. why he was born but then you also know all right left the monastery was trained to be a mercenary with with gerald and then comes back speaking of gerald actually, yeah you even have another... you even have that father connection you're supposed yeah. to have that father connection but <laughs> well, it does. I mean, if we look at another gerald that's an established character in the witcher your choices are limited at least in part to like what would make sense for him to do but it doesn't pretend otherwise it's not like hey you're the player go do the thing it's like what you know what do you want gerald to do yeah, what is gerald fire emblem i think could do that pretty well but they just decided not to they wanted to build a blank slate for a player avatar and it uh i mean you introduce even, some issues even can compare that to like say like shepherd from mass effect yeah shepherd's yeah. another good example you know, they, and they he, have a character right he has a character you, know, you can't he still gets railroaded into several options you know yeah. he has he always has to do this amount of mission and that point on mission but it's never it's never framed in a way that someone's always telling shepherd ah no let's not do that let's do that let's do this instead it's always it's always frames it in a way that shepherd says okay we're gonna do this till the ending anyway you know, even, even though, yeah, and then you, even then you even get the special options like, oh, you're going to leave, are you going to leave Ashley with the bomb? Or are you going to go rescue Caden? You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, you know, obviously like, you yeah, go pick Shepard's, Caden. Shepard can't join the Reapers or fly into a supernova, you know, and that's fine. It doesn't make any sense for them to, 
uh, even though you can get options like that in like Fallout or something, like in New Vegas, you can join the Legion. But there, there's degrees of player expression. But I think the real takeaway is that uh, proportionate or inverse proportionately, player expression has to correlate properly with um, the established character traits. You know, you can have a Geralt or a Shepherd, or you can have a, a Courier. But if you have Byleth that has no character, nothing interesting going on, but there's also no opportunity to inhabit a role, it's problematic. <sighs> Man. So, next Fire Emblem game. Everyone's excited for uh, another Avatar? Yeah, yeah. I, right. Maybe was, maybe this time we'll get to choose more hair. <laughs> it's weird how the we... The weird thing is they did Echoes. Like, they didn't add an Avatar to that, which everyone was worried about. Right. And everyone said the writing was, like, great in that. Like It, it was <laughs> such a step in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, it, it my God. The, step in the right direction, even though I feel like it's sort of lost itself at the it end. It tripped over yeah, itself at the end, at the end game But I'll say, yeah, stuff. at the start, like, very good, aside from, you know, the whole yeah. Fae, you know, the Fae edition. I think the one, it, yeah, the Fae, fine, the Fae thing's a bit think, weird. Right? I, it, like, it, did, you know, it did well. It, it met did expectations, well. yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, it, yeah, the game met their sales expectations. I think it, it didn't sell as well, it didn't sell as, yeah, did not sell as well as Fate's Awakening, but it sold at their expectations. Even though I think their expectations like something like half or a third or something of Fate's, but it's still, yeah. but, but it's it was still, a remake, fair, it's a remake of, a, of a really old NES game. game that no one played after Fate's kind of poisoned the well a little bit. Right. So like, yeah, uh, it, and, it, and it was a shakeup too. But it yeah. had like the best presentation of any Fire Emblem game. It had it was fully voice acted. It no longer had all the grunts and conversations. It had more use of the models and cutscenes than pretty much anything else. It had four fully explorable dungeons that were not like super in-depth, but it was new for the series. And I think they did a lot of interesting things with some of the additional content. Like I think Burkut was an interesting addition and his story and like his interactions with characters was interesting in like how it changed dynamics from the original game. And even in just in even though at the end of the day, Alm is basically just a green Marth, at the end of the day, that's what he is. I feel like I like Alm a lot more because of the characterization they gave him and the dialogue and the support conversations and whatnot. Yeah. And, and if he'd I, been an avatar, that would have all been taken away. And if he'd had an totally avatar next to him sucking up all the airspace, that also would have diminished the, the opportunity to develop him. And I definitely yeah. think that happened with the Lords in Three Houses a bit. Because they, I think they've shown both in their writing, yeah. the writing in uh, Echoes and in the writing in Three Houses, like specifically the character writing, they can write good characters. Like, just give us a character. Don't even don't even yeah. let us make a character. Just give us a character. Like, just do that because they can do it and they can do it well. So why not? Yeah. And, you know, if you want to make them customizable in gameplay or whatever, you know, people like me might not like it that much but it really doesn't it's not going to be the end of the world you know if you do a, an fe9 style story but you can turn ike into a pegasus knight i don't think anyone's really going to care yeah, but that just that just remind me by unique and all sort of the playable avatars and that you can't affect his stats at all like there's no you don't pick a boon or a bane you can't affect his base stats at all as opposed to as chris smart and Cor or chris corn and robin you can literally affect them, so it's literally like Bioth is a set character. Yeah, and they've got the, sets, the, the set spell list too. Yeah, set spell. Like you the, can't. You literally can't. You can only customize their name. That's literally the only thing you can do. 
Yeah, and so, everyone can be every class. Yeah, like they they met in the middle. the The player avatar customization went down, and the everyone else customization went up to the point that in three houses they're basically the same. Yeah, it, it's they've messed up their their meters here, which I yeah I understand that you know the reclassing. You know that's I reclassing. We're sort of just gonna that's a series staple. That's its own thing that right, but people the, can like or not. Right, I but at this point, I like, feel like it's... I'm willing to set it aside. Yeah, I feel like at this point, though, you know, after we've gone every game here has had some form of reclassing. It just... So it's here to stay. It just feels like the way that they've done it. Now, they put it to the point in Three Houses. Well, Echoes was DLC only. That was well, pretty... Still, well, even then, Dreadfighters could still loop and still reclass. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah. sure. <laughs> it was not a major part of that game. Yeah, you're right, but it's still the option. Yeah. It's just like, it's not there for Byleth to be a player character. It's not really built for him as a player character at all, even comparable to any anything we've seen before. It's they've Byleth could have had their own thing. It's kept their name had the dialogue and spoken and we could have just followed him as like we would have followed Elwood or or yes. or someone else and, and that would make right, the stuff he, that tied them into the greater narrative yeah, like the uh you know the Sothis being there the whole um enlightened one Gerald ties all that shit would make it feel a lot less like a waste of time if it were tied to a real character instead of no one yeah cuz even 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 the only sort of major decisions Bile really makes is just at the start, you know, what class do you want to teach? Even then, you can easily fit that in there. Even, it was just like, oh, Bile, which class would you like? It's pretty much the same, and just Bile's like, hmm, I will want to teach, and then player choice, this class. And they're like, okay. And then the only other choice would be like Edelgard, uh, in, in the Black Eagle's house, if you side with Edelgard or not. Yeah. Or honestly, if you don't want to write a character that can be adaptable to different houses then just don't make a mark you know have them join edelgard and then completely fade out of the narrative don't give them supports don't give them you know playable stuff i, I feel but, like even that i feel like don't even have a character at that point like mark i feel yeah. like yeah. Yeah, uh, what's the name of the guy that shows up in crimson flower he's like a like a general or a lieutenant in the uh the empire military and he has a sister and they're like Jared, uh sir? No, well, there's Yuritsa, the Death Knight. Uh, oh, those guys. Yeah, yeah I they're... kept waiting for them to join yeah. his units, and they yeah. never Yeah, then they just like, died. Like, yeah, yeah like, you could died. just use those guys as, like, a filler person that just is, like, I am part of this army. I am, I am yeah. on her side. And, and, and they don't make that customizable the, unit. You know, Flake survives after the tag. Anyway. <sighs> I will say, I'm, I'm, not to I'm not burnt out on Avatars, most because I've played many games with avatars it's just i feel like Violet's probably one of the worst instances of an avatar that i've seen in any any game that i've really played extensively of i'm inclined yeah. to agree I, i'd agree yeah. as well they take kind of the worst of both worlds in terms of player expression versus defined character yeah I, i'm just running through the, my head of all all the games that you know you can change your customize your player character and maybe an avatar to an extent. Metal Gear Solid Five might be worse, but that's <sighs> yeah, that that's a <laughs> that's worse for a different reason. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's worse for a different reason. I'm thinking even Rune Factory Four that I'm playing right now, avatar character, but totally customizable, but has set character. You know, it interacts with people. You can feel the bonds. 
Mm. Even if it's in that weird one way of like, I, I'm giving you uh, some a gift literally every day. <laughs> Here, please well, love okay, me. I haven't played Moon Factory, but I played Harvest Moon. The characters talk to each other a lot. Yeah, so, you can like, listen in the conversation and, stuff. and you see yeah. the characters interact. I guess Stardew Valley really bad of because you're not a character in Stardew Valley. But. All I know is I can't think of any others because I'm so distracted by the thought of Byleth being voiced by Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a good place to end this, end this conversation. Yeah, I on. think I think that's good. Ca- so we'll we'll see you all. Well, we won't see you, but you'll all hear us next time. Uh, Hopefully, probably with, with Mecca. Ho- so ideally. stay tuned for that. If, yeah, we're gonna talk about mechs and Fire Emblem. <laughs> It's the Mecca special. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Mecca. Thank you for tuning in to MCast episode 41, officially known as the first official official Darren and Sheffin show with special guest Keegan featuring Husser, even though our special guest <laughs> with, Keegan wasn't with, here. With special guest Keegan without special guest Keegan. <laughs> without special guest Keegan. Hey, that's so the name. It's the block. So we had really have to thank Husser for showing up this week to really help fill the void. It, uh, it really helped. Thank you, Husser, yeah. for joining well, us on the Darren Chef and Show. I'd be happy to come back on anytime. Well, we'll, 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 we'll hopefully the next time you can come back on the Darren and Chef and Show it won't be too far in the future. Yeah. It took us 41 episodes to get here. Yeah, hopefully it'll be also, off your Also, I should probably mention that even though we're looking at, you know, maybe some rebranding material and whatnot for the Darren and Chef and Show, uh, we do still have a Patreon under the Emblem cast. So if you're interested in supporting the show, check us out on Patreon. And of course, all our episodes for Emblem cast, as it is known as, yeah. you can find on all podcasting platforms. Just to clarify, Patreon charges by episode, not by month. So... Even though we're we're doing better now, if there's any schedule slip, you will not be footing the bill for that. So you don't have to worry about it as much. And it just pays for server hosting and SoundCloud and stuff. You know, we're not taking a bath in it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back to your regularly regularly scheduled Emblemcast with Mecca, hopefully next next time. Devin will be back, and we will see how Devin does things again. See you all. All right. But for now, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.